Hello and welcome. You're listening to Voices from the Pews, the show that invites you to conversations with Catholics of color and those from communities of non-European origin so that we can get to know more about each other's faith, experiences, and stories. I'm your host, Lorna DeRose. Our guest today is Monica LaCouture, who, with her husband Fernando, was blessed with three children, Daniel, David, and Christina, who is the inspiration behind their ministry, Build the Faith, a ministry dedicated to transforming the faith of others. She is a woman with a powerful story. Her faith was lukewarm until she experienced an intense personal encounter with Christ that ignited her faith. Soon, this new faith was tested when her daughter Christina was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Today, Monica shares her story of perseverance, hope, trust, and deep faith in God's providence. I hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome. Today we have with us Monica Lacouture from Build the Faith, a ministry that strives to help people transform their faith. Monica, welcome. It's so good to have you with us. How are you today? Good, Lorna. Thank you so much for having me here today. Absolutely. Glad to have you. Monica, can you share a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow up? Yes, I grew up in Colombia, South America. I am the oldest of five, grew up on a Catholic family with a father that had a, an amazing, beautiful faith. And uh, that always show us that, especially Our Lady, that Our Lady was part of our life and that we should always walk with her. Beautiful. So growing up, there was a deep devotion to Our Lady and your family uh, was there a particular devotion to Our Lady that your family felt close to? Yes, um, you know, I never thought about it, but um, now that I look back, yes, the miraculous medal. And I don't know, because of the French descendant, uh, our family comes from France, but we grew up with the miraculous medal. It was so important and to the point that um, when we all were born, we were all given the miraculous medal to wear it and then when we turned 15 our we're three daughters and two sons our father gave us a bracelet composed of um 10 miraculous merrill around it and we still have them today so she was really part of our family like we grew up with our like i said at the beginning with our lady being part of our house that's beautiful and knowing that each one of you has a bracelet, the daughters. It's a beautiful connection and a beautiful reminder of not only of Our Lady, but also of your family as well. Yes, yes, true. Fantastic. And so being that you were growing up in Colombia, family of five, three daughters, two sons, with this connection with Our Lady, how did you live out your faith as a family um, were there particular feast days that you celebrated or were there particular things that you did as a family, particular times of prayer? You know, it's uh, it's funny because uh, even though we grew up in a Catholic family, right, and um, we were sent to Catholic school, 
we all went to Catholic school. Actually, I even went to Catholic university when I graduated from school. My dad prayed by himself during the weekdays. He prayed the rosary, but he never invited us to. So the point um, that he would always make to us was like, the, you know, we have to pray at a nighttime and then every Sunday we have to go to mass and observe Lent. But no prayer at home at all. Like I grew up not praying at home. Like prayer time was either at church or at school. And as a youth, you start to complain about it when you have to go to church. And I tell my kids, you know, I complained. I was like, you know, I'm in school five days a week and we're always praying with the nuns. And then on Friday, we have to go to church. And then again on Sunday. So I was going to church, but because I have to, to be honest, I was not going to church because I truly believe what was going on in the church. I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus at the time. And I actually thought that the Eucharist was a, a symbol more than Christ alive for many, many years. And everything changed many years after uh, I came back to the States that I can tell you later on. But I grew up with a beautiful faith from my dad, but in the, everyone else besides him was applying or living a lukewarm faith. How did that begin to change in your life as you got older and went off to college and, you know, began to be a young adult and begin to make choices in your life? How did that begin to change? It wasn't not until I came to the States, actually. Uh, while I was in college, it was the same. It was a lukewarm faith. And I was just going to church because I had made a promise to my dad. He always asked all of us, the five kids, two things in life, to go to college, finish an education, and to never, ever stop going to Sunday Mass. So that was a promise that I was keeping. But I was keeping because I had made it to him. Not like, again, not because I had a personal relationship with Jesus or that I really felt and believed in my Catholic faith. Moving forward to 2012, I was already married. I have three kids. Daniel, David, and Christina, and one of my sisters was um, the husband, left her, and she was going through a very, very, very difficult moment in her life, so we invited her to go to a Catholic retreat in Miami. Um, my sisters live in um, Colombia, and I lived in Boston, so we all flew to Miami to go to this retreat called the Mayas Retreat, weekend retreat, and I started to have a different feeling about my faith. I started to feel that God loved me so much that he's been waiting for me for many, many years. And I was not giving him anything but the minimum, going to church, but not even really establishing a conversation or a relationship with him. I just was checking a mark, you know, has any other Catholic who just wants to check marks, but not really enter into a deep relationship. At that retreat, um, every single talk and testimony went deeply, deeply into my heart to the point that I started to cry um, and my sisters were worried and they were asking me if I was having any problems at home, that I was not telling anyone, but I was crying of joy. I was crying because I really felt that God loved me, that I had a father. I used to see until that point, God has someone very far away. And I started to feel him and see him as God, the father who created me, who has always been there, who have given me everything that I had in my life and who was waiting for me at church to 
hugged me. Like, I really felt that he wanted to hug me. Actually, at that retreat, I felt him, his present, his love. I was crazy in love. Like, I got out of that retreat so in love with God that I started to go to daily mass, not only to Sunday mass, because I wanted him to know that I loved him, that I was so grateful for everything that he had given me. And then I was there telling him, good morning, here I am. Not because I need it, because my Catholic faith doesn't say that I have to go to daily mass, but because I wanted to tell him that I love him and that I wanted to start my life with him, my day with him. And it was beautiful. You know, everything mm -hmm. changed on that October 12, 2012. What a profound moment to attend a retreat and just to to begin to feel that love of God surround you. It was beautiful. Um, up to that point, I had not gone to confession for probably maybe 10 years, 15 years. I don't even know. I, I lost track. But I was receiving communion. Imagine, uh, at that retreat, I started to think, oh, my God, you must be so sad. Because I was really, really committing a mortal sin, you know. I was for, for many, many, many years, I was receiving the Eucharist and not being in grace to receive him, um, not acknowledging the importance of the sacrament and realizing that he was there giving himself to me for everyone, to all of us. And I was that I wasn't doing anything for him. That is so profound because as you say, sometimes you know, and I think in many times we don't take the sacrament seriously enough to understand that the sacrament of reconciliation is an important part of our lives and it is important for us to to have that in order to receive the eucharist yes we we are we are very selfish i think yes. um, everything everything is around us and uh, we don't want to recognize that uh, we don't have control over things um, that everything is up to god and we we don't want to be humble to recognize that and know that we are sinners. We are, we all are. And um, only by the graces of God is that we can continue in life path, you know, through life. That's so true. And even during the mass, we have that reminder just before going to receive that says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. But I, I think we don't take time to think about those few words of that prayer. No. No, everything is like I said, you know, we're just going to check a mark. We're not really engaging in what in the beautiful things that are going through the Holy Mass, the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about having this profound experience during the retreat and your poor sister's worrying that something is going wrong, but yet something has moved your heart and you've become closer to Jesus. And now it's not just going to mass because you've promised your father, you're going to mass because you have now begun a, a deep relationship with Jesus and you want to be there and you want to, to, to pray, you want to attend mass. And as you go along, what happens in your family's life after this? So I always said to everyone, you know, people tend to think that once you have a personal relationship with God and you're walking in the path with him, nothing is going to happen. But it's mm -hmm. the opposite. I think the closer you are to God, the more temptations are going to come and the more trials are going to arise. The difference is the way that you deal with trials and the way 
that you take life if you have him or you don't have him in your life. So like I said, I finally found, um, I started a relationship with Jesus and I was so in love with him. And I, I thought at the moment, you know, back in 2012, oh, wow, I'm finally living a good life. Like I finally found this path, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, trials do come. And um, our daughter, Christina, who was six at the time, was being diagnosed two months after I went to that retreat. And I think God prepared me for this moment with um, malignant type of cancer on a stage four, a -hmm. rhabdomyosarcoma, and she was given a few days to lift. So imagine um, what went through my mind. My husband is a neurologist. For him, it was even tougher. like he, in his own words, he says that he was thrown to the fire of, of hell. Like he felt that, you know, life was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, it was a little bit different. I have gone to this retreat and I really was in such a peace. I knew that God loved me. I knew that the kids that I had, uh, I had them because he had given them to me. And I knew that he was going to be with me and my daughter and my family. And then I found out later on that my husband also made the same decision without being in the same room that we were going to give our daughter back to God, that we were going to tell him, you know, you gave her to us and now is the time for us to give her back to you. Give us the strength to overcome whatever you decide, but let us fight with her if you allow us to fight with her. And a long journey started uh, back in December 12, 2012. She was diagnosed on the day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I think it was not a coincidence. Uh, Christina had been complaining of pain for many months. Actually, when I went to that retreat, she was already in pain. And I never asked for prayers there because I thought what she had was nothing. And what people were going through their life was even more difficult than whatever she was having. And then I realized that what she had was something really life-threatening. And there wasn't much to do, actually. There's no cure for her disease. Only 10% of the kids make it. And in the stage that they found her disease, there was no chance at all. Hmm. But she lived more than a few days than what the doctors had predicted. She lived uh, five years after the diagnosis, and now she just lived the way that anyone lives. She truly, completely lived every single day of her life. And like I used to say, and, and what and I say all the time, what it was meant to be the most difficult time in our life and a tragedy to our family became the greatest blessing of all up to this day. And I say the greatest blessing and many people who are listening to me must be thinking, well, she, you know, she's crazy. How can a cancer of one of her kids can be a blessing? And it's a blessing because Christina started to show us at that early age, you know, she was six at the time, what it truly meant to believe in Christ. What was faith all about? And we we grew and we grew up thinking that faith is believing that God can do miracles, you know, and the possible. But it, she thought in another way. She thought that believing in God was knowing that regardless if your prayer was answered or not, whatever was happening was happening because was allowing it to happen. And God knew and had better plans for us. So that was faith. 
for Christina. And so she never, ever asked him to heal her because she thought if this is what he wanted, she was willing to go with it and be strong for him and upset what he was asking her to be through those moments. That is such a mature faith for such a small child. Many ways we don't give children credit for having such a strong faith. No, no. And in the Bible, it's said very clearly, you know, let the kids come to me because their faith is a pure faith. She really trusted him to the point that, you know, she fought for five years. So we were on and off treatment for many, many months uh, without stop. And then she became maybe with no evidence of disease twice. The first time that he came back, and he came back really fast, like she was with no evidence for a month, and then we have to go back to Kim right away. It wasn't a long time between a break and the and the start of the next treatment or protocol. But um, I remember asking her once, Christina, can you please ask God to heal you? We need you here. The people who are praying for you, she had a website, One Million Prayers for Christine on Facebook. And there were 70,000 people praying for her at the time. And I was asking, ask him to heal you. If he takes you, all these people are not going to believe in him. You know, they're being praying. If the prayer is not listened, they're not going to trust. And she turns to me. She was nine at the time and smiled and says to me, mom, you don't get anything. And I'm like, what don't I get, Christina? I was like, so puzzled. Like, what is she talking about? Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, she goes and says, mom, if he needs me in heaven, I'm going, I'm happy to go with him to heaven. And I'm like, but if you go to with him in heaven, you know, all these people are going to be left out and um, heaven is full of angels. You know, we need you here. Right. And she, and she goes quiet and turns to me and said, mom, God is first. Then it's Jesus. Then it's Our Lady, and it's follow you, but don't tell that. That's how she knew it, you know. Uh, and I'm like, in one piece, I'm like, wow, like, that's why you were chosen to move all these people. You know, 70,000 people are following you because you really know how it is. Like, right. of course, in the Bible says, if we want to follow God, we have to be willing to leave mom and dad and everyone behind. And she was ready for that. She was not afraid of doing that. Um, she would always said, you know, my cancer is a good cancer. It's going to bring people closer to God. And it sure did bring people, lots of people, and continues to bring people closer to God. Now, the Facebook page, One Million Prayers for Christina, with 70 followers, I'm sure so many people were praying for her and with her. And she was praying for those people, too. So I'm sure that in many ways it it helped a lot of people that we don't know. Actually, it continues to help because the the page is open. It's in Spanish. Uh, There's one in English and one in Spanish. The one in Spanish is the one that is more active nowadays. So we never closed it because we always felt that it wasn't a prayer page for just Christina. It was God's prayer site. So we opened it to anyone. So since 2013... People with intentions have been going through this website to pray for their intentions of family members or friends. So it, it has touched people and it continues to touch people because, you know, it's a huge community praying for each other, even though we don't know people. Um, Christine asked them when she was alive from what countries were they praying. And at the time, there were 43 countries in around the people from 43 countries around the world praying on that website. It was it is beautiful. 
That's very beautiful. So it was a worldwide reach. It was, and it was a precursor to your apostolate, actually. Yes, but actually the apostolate, my apostolate came, started with her. She was mm-hmm. alive when we all started uh, Build the Faith. Um, Build the Faith is a nonprofit that my husband and I created and founded, inspired by Christina Faith. And she walked with us through the first two years of the nonprofit. And our idea was like, we wanted people around us to get to know Jesus the way that Christina knew him. To know that he's there with us, that he's always walking with us. We wanted people who were going through difficult moments to realize that they were not left behind, that God is always there. And there's always a bigger purpose to our crosses. So we started Build the Faith back in 2015. And the idea was like Christina wanted people in other countries are, that are not as fortunate like us here in the States, that, that we have a church almost in every single town to be able to have their church to receive Holy Eucharist. Because for her, at that age, God was present in the Eucharist. It took me 40 years, but it didn't take her much to realize that. And she did want them to be able to go to church and have a church to not only get him in the Eucharist, but to get the spiritual support that they needed, you know, through life journey. So that's when we started the other faith. The idea was like we started by making rosaries. She loved arts and craft. So we started to make rosaries and everyone who was following her on her website wanted a rosary made by Christina to help her with her nonprofit. So that's the start of Build the Faith. That is so beautiful. So she began to make the rosaries and people, you know, and sharing the rosaries with others. And and the rosary is such a powerful prayer. It is in itself. And that she is sharing, you know, make you know, using her gift of and, and love of arts and crafts to make a rosary for people, you know, for people who want want to pray with her. And um I just think that they must cherish having that rosary that she made for them so long ago. Yeah, it's beautiful. And even today, you know, people there's one of the rosaries that have a medal of Our Lady of Guadalupe in one side and then Christina's picture in the other side. And it is that way because um, everyone started to ask, we want a Christina's rosary. So we call her our butterfly. So there were there's the Christina's rosary. It's always a rosary with a butterfly in Our Lady and Christina in the medal. Yes, it's it's beautiful the way that people started to support her. She she would always videotape going to her treatments and telling them to never ask God for anything. They only have to do one thing and tell him, Jesus, I trust in you. And she did this for five years with pain and never complaining, always accepting her cross. What an extraordinary girl she she was because I think when you and I think about the just daily aches and pains and, you know, we'll complain, I have a headache or, you know, whatever twinge we're having. And yet she was going through something as invasive and as painful as chemo. And yet she never complained, no matter how difficult it was. With Build a Faith, we go to Catholic schools and religious education. And we have a program that is called Build the Faith Youth Workshops. And uh, what we do with the worship is that I go and talk to the kids, 
to youth about Christina's faith. And when I'm talking to them, I always tell them, I don't know why in our society people don't talk about death. I don't know why they don't talk to us about the cross. And everyone is afraid about it. You know, nobody wants to talk about it. It's an, it's, it's an issue that, you know, every, when you want to raise it up, people are like, please don't talk about it. And Christina touched me something completely different, actually, to talk about it, to embrace the cross, to love the cross, to accept the cross. And, and the reason behind it is because through God's cross, the greatest gift of all, we were forgiven of our sins, right? And not only that, but the promise of eternal life with his resurrection. So we all should be looking at the cross and looking at death as the start of eternal life. And Christina, and I tell these kids, always told us, the day that I die, don't cry. I would want people to wear the colors of the rainbow to my mass, to my memorial mass, because that day, if I behave, I'm going back to God. And when you go back to God, that is the most important day of that person's life. And that's the way that we see it. And I tell the kids, don't be afraid of your cross. Actually, thank God for the cross because through the cross, he's redeeming you. He's helping you to get to heaven. He's helping us to get to heaven. And um, nowadays, I'm not afraid. Actually, you know, I used to be afraid of dying and I just ask God for one thing, give me the time that I need in order to do with my life what you want me to do with it for your glory here on earth. And it's the way that my daughter lives and it's the way that I'm asking him and I'm hoping that he will give me the chance to to do it uh, until he calls me there. Of course, and I'm sure he'll answer it in the particular way f- just for you. Yep. And I love uh, the the image that you're you're asking everyone to wear, you know, very bright, beautiful rainbow colors, because when you think about death, we always in society say it's, oh, it's the end, but it really isn't. It's the beginning. He show us, you know, he, you know, he died and rise. It's recent. Actually, we're getting tomorrow into Lent. And it's a, it's a, it's a good opportunity to people to really think about the cross and, Embrace it. We all have one. I'm sure that we all have one. It's different ones, but we all have one at a certain point in life. And so if, whenever it comes, thank God for it and embrace it because it's beautiful. Like with Christina's nonprofit, you know, she wanted to build these churches. And I always said, you know, we are all instruments and we are little seeds. And like in the Bible, depending on what soil the seeds land, it will make bring fruits. Her seed was beautiful seed, I think, because she embraced her cross to the point that we are now seeing the fruits of it. Even five years after she died with her nonprofit, she was able to inaugurate the first church in Colombia back in 2017. And after her death, I worried that her nonprofit was going to come to an end. But we tend to forget that nothing is done by our own graces, right? <laughs> everything every, everything comes from God. and um, this is his nonprofit. It's not ours. We're just the instrument. So after Christina died, um, the nonprofit, with the help of all these beautiful angels, volunteers, I said, God warriors that we have around us, we were able to build a convent in Argentina, followed by a church in Nicaragua. 
And then last fall, we finished a church in Ghana, in Africa. And we just started um, in late November, a retreat house in Mexico. And this is beautiful. It's the fruit of carrying your cross. It's the fruit of carrying Christina's cross, you know. And it's the fruit of uh, my husband, my family, and ourselves to embracing our own cross. Because for us, the cross started the day that she passed away and went back to God. Of course. And your two children, I remember reading a blog post. I'm not sure which one of them wrote it, but he talked about seeing the way you and your husband took care of Christina. And, you know, many people say, oh, you know, this poor child, he he must have felt abandoned. But yet he looked at it as a positive because he saw it as, you know, no matter what could happen, he knew that God, first of all, God would take care of him and the family, but also he saw it as a way of showing the strength that you had and your husband had in how you cared for not only Christina, but for them. Yeah, it was beautiful blog. It was Daniel, our oldest, and um, well, actually both of them has written for our blogs. We have a blog with Build the Faith too, a weekly blog. And um, I always ask him, you know, we have all spoken about Christina in our life, and he was the only one who have never said anything about it. And it surprised me when he turned everything around. Instead of talking about Christina, he ended up talking about my husband and myself. And I thank God for that, because through the five years that we fought with Christina and her cancer, I always worried that as a mom, I was leaving them on the side, that I was not being a good mom. And what Daniel saw was something completely different. He he saw the love of a parent and to the point of a parent can sacrifice for their kids. And then I can tell you, and we were able to do that sacrifice because we had beautiful kids who were supporting us too. Uh, they were allowing us to be parents. But at the same time, I saw something even greater than that. And it was God's love in our family. And he expressed it so beautifully. God was really embracing us. Our lady was walking with us. I have no doubt that they were in the family. Uh, prayers for those t- from those 70,000 people were holding us up. Prayers were listened. People may have thought, you know, our prayers were not listened because Christina died. Oh, no, I would say the country. Your prayers were listened to the point that my husband and I were safe from hell and we're not going in the road to heaven. We're not there yet, but um, our life changed 100%. Uh, we are different people. I And I tend to think and hope that we are better people because of the cross, Um and we cannot feel more close to God. And I think my kids do. So we're so grateful. Like I said, Christina's cancer was the greatest blessing for us as a family. If I were to ask you, thinking about some of our listeners who may be going through a difficult time, it may be cancer, it may be something else. What would you say to them? What would be a message that you would like to share with them? To not be afraid to give everything to God. We cannot carry, like in the Bible says, our yoke, our cross by ourselves. We really have to trust him the way that Christina trusted him. Hold his hand and knowing that regardless of whatever will come, he would always, always be there for you. Um, I have no doubt. I've lived it. 
I felt it. I look back to those five years and were very, very difficult years. And we lived with so much peace and so much happiness in our life in the middle of the storm. And it's because of um, God in the middle. We have You have to have him in the middle. You have to let him help you to carry the cross. And he will show you a beautiful, like I said, in Christ, the way that Christina said, you know, a beautiful rainbow at the end. There's always a rainbow at the end. Yeah, and we and we have to we also have to it's easy to say Jesus I trust in you when everything is going right, right? Um but we have to also show God um our faith is strong in the trials. In the middle of this trial, that's the moment to prove how much we trust him. And when we trust him, we know that we're gonna go through it because he's there with us. He's the only one who's gonna help us to go through it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I know that you mentioned that you've had a devotion to Our Lady and you've mentioned Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, is she someone that you hold in a particular way as a devotion? No, uh, it's funny. Uh, Our Lady, it's been with me all my life. You know, I pray the Hail Mary every night since I was a, a kid and every morning. And I felt her very close when I was walking through Christina's cancer because I knew she knew my pain. I know now that she knows how I live with a pierced heart after my daughter's death. So she she's part of my life. She's She's someone that is always with me. But when I have to think about a saint, usually I think about, Two saints, uh, Saint Monica, maybe because it's my name, but mostly because Saint Augustine and my kids. I have the two boys, and I'm always praying to her to help me out, so that they don't follow away from our Catholic faith. And I'm always asking her to help them to find Christian, if possible, Catholic women to have a family if it's God's will for them to get married. Um, so I'm always looking for St. Monica. And then when I was going through my most difficult times with Christina, and when I'm going through difficult moments, it always comes to me, St. Teresa of Avila. And it's because of this prayer I have it here, and I would like to read it to you because like this one would help those people who are going through a difficult time that like you were asking me before. Every time that I was going through difficult moments, every time that we have to go through a pet scan, an MRI, and we knew that the chemo was not working and time for Christina to go to heaven was getting closer. I will always go back to this prayer and that will give me so much peace and still today give me a lot of peace. And it's, it says this, St. Teresa of Avila, I always read it, pray it. And it goes, um, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing away. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffice. With him alone, you know, we can overcome anything. We have him in our life. We don't need anything else. Thank you for that. It's such a beautiful prayer by St. Teresa of Avila. Such a wise and courageous, faith-filled saint. If someone wanted to reach out to you and invite you to come speak, where could they find you? So we do have a website. It's uh, buildthefaith.org. And there people can 
find the blogs that we have on a weekly basis. We have uh, faith blogs in Spanish and English. They're written by 16 different people from priests to nuns to lay people to consecrated people to deacons. Uh, it's beautiful. It's their experience with faith. And then we also have the rosaries that we make. We make different collections throughout the years and we have a few there for people to be able to buy them and support us. It also, people can go there and find um, the churches that we have built, the information about retreats. Actually, we're having an upcoming retreat in two weeks, a men's retreat next weekend. And we have a women's retreat once a year in September. So they can find everything that we're doing um, to bring the light of Christ to others, right? To continue to build the faith in our hearts and around the world. Wonderful. Monica, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story and sharing Christina's story and how she just showed us and shows us how to put complete trust in, in Jesus. Thank you, Lorna, for having us here today. I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's conversation with Monica LaCouture, who shared her experience of faith and her family's journey after learning of her daughter Christina's diagnosis. Monica said that she and her family learned of Christina's diagnosis on December 12th, which is the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. As we reflect on their story, let us take comfort in the words of Our Lady to St. Juan Diego. Put it into your heart, my youngest and dearest son, that the thing that frightens you, the thing that afflicts you, is nothing. Do not let it disturb you. Am I not here? I, who am your mother, are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not the source of your joy? Are you not in the hollow of my mantle, in the crossing of my arms? Do you need something more? Let nothing else worry you or disturb you. These words were to give Juan Diego reassurance and comfort because of his anxiety about his uncle who was suffering and near death. These words are also words of comfort for us when so many are grappling with anxiety, hopelessness, and fear. Our Lady reminds us that we are not alone in our struggles. We can find solace under her protection. Let us turn to Our Lady of Guadalupe and ask her to intercede on our behalf to her son Jesus. May her example of love and compassion inspire us to reach out to others who may be in need of comfort and support. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. You can find out more about Build the Faith at buildthefaith.org. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to Voices from the Pews, please invite a friend to listen or post about this episode on social media. Use hashtag Voices from the Pews. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Voices from the Pews. A very special thanks goes out to Monica LaCouture from Build the Faith for being with us today. You can hear our conversation with Lorna Heron whose journey has led her to begin a ministry for grieving parents in our next episode in two weeks. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for listening to Voices from the Pews, produced by Lorna DeRose. Audio editing and post-production by Bryn Lee. Music composed and performed by Andre Louis. Social media assistance provided by Jacqueline Brunash. Web hosting provided by Beyond the Brand. Connect with us at VoicesFromThePews.com. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening.